we want to begin, or rather continue, our series of messages on the Christian's response to current social events. We've talked about abortion, we've talked about euthanasia, we've talked about pornography. Today we are going to be talking about cults, false teachings. And because of a current event that happened last week, when there was a conference here of the Unification Church headed by Reverend Moon, and the fact that it was supported by, uh, allegedly so anyway, by several Christian churches. And because that is a current event and it impacts the people of God, and we believe it's important for us to have a response to that, uh, uh, we will be talking about that this morning. And so we've called today's message, Discerning the Times, Defending the Faith. As we look at this particular topic from Scripture, one of the first things that we must be aware of, reminded of, is that God, the Spirit, has warned us about these things in his word. And all we need to do, actually, to be faithful is to heed the warnings. Jesus himself warned his disciples of those who would come to them in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Matthew 7.15 Now, you know, if we do a study of each of these passages and see the implications, uh, it will give us all the information we need as how we are to detect. Even in this one verse here, come to them in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're wolves, out to attack. This simply means that those who teach false doctrine will come with false pretenses. They won't come and say, I'm teaching false doctrine. They will treat you nicely. They would look good outwardly. They would do a lot of good works. But inwardly, they're wolves out to get you. Jesus also said to his disciples, and repeatedly he alerted his own to the false teachings of the religionists of his day. He told them that false teachers would come in the future as well. In Matthew chapter 24, he says, Jesus answered and said to them, his disciples, See to it that no one misleads you. And that means there are going to be people who are seeking to mislead. Jesus answered and said, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. The word Christ means Messiah. That's what moon comes as. The word also means anointed. Many people today are claiming to be anointed by God and can do special things. Many will come in my name saying, not a few. Turn your TV. No, I'm not encouraged to do it. But if you happen to turn your TV on and you go to a certain station, many are there already. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. 
I am sure that there are some here who have been misled. Because of the pervasiveness of false teaching and false teachers and the fact that so few of God's people are discerning today. They just don't seem to care anymore because it's become so prevalent. You see. Heed the warnings. The Apostle Paul, following in the steps of Jesus, said to the Christian church at Ephesus that they were to be aware of the fact and alert to the fact that savage wolves would seek to join and to destroy the flock. Savage wolves. Paul used the words. Jesus used the words. Savage wolves. But they come as sheep. So it's not the outward thing. It's the intention. Paul did the same thing for believers in Corinth. So they would not be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. He knew some were coming to preach another Jesus. He said that, another Messiah, another anointed one. He knew that they were coming, and some are already there, he said. They've just increased since that time. The saints in Galatia needed the same warning. Because some of them were already following a different gospel. The word different here means different of another kind. Another gospel, another source, another message. Different from, contrary to the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he said that they were seeking to distort the gospel of Christ. That's one of the earmarks of a false teaching of a cult. They distort the teaching of the Christ. They might say they accept the word, but they distort it to fit their message. Paul's condemnation was clear. Let him be accursed. That's what Paul said of all who preach another gospel other than the gospel that was handed down through his apostles. Let them be accursed. Literally, that means let them go to hell. Let them be assigned to hell. That's the Apostle Paul. That's his attitude toward those who would preach a gospel different than the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Heed the warnings. The young preacher, Timothy. And you know, as we were going through this study today and seeing all of these warnings, I'm just wondering if God's people read the scriptures. Or if they think the scriptures are something that's seriously to be taken. As the word of God. Because the warnings are there. But we are not putting up our defenses. We allow them to come into our bedrooms. Into our living rooms. And we even pay to hear them. The young preacher Timothy was told that in later times. Some would fall away from the faith. We are living in such a time. Some claim to have faith. But they are falling away from it. Like Hymenius and Alexander, Alexander, they had suffered shipwreck in regard to the faith. And Paul was telling Timothy, many more will be just like that. They will have a shipwrecked faith. Faith, but shipwreck, ruined, destroyed. Why? Because we're led astray by false teaching. And we're accepting a gospel that is not the gospel. Paul tells this young man, others would arise and do the same. Claim to have a faith, 
but it's a faith that has been destroyed. Heed the warnings. It's the first thing we must understand. God warns us about these things. We have all the information we need about cults and false teachers and false teachings in the Word of God. All you have to do is read it and study it. Sincerity isn't enough. Good intentions are not enough. Tolerance is not enough. When we come to false teachings and teachings that are contrary to the word of God and distort the triune God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the atoning work of Jesus Christ, they're not to be tolerated. They're to be rejected. We'll see that. Do not be carried away, the bride of the Hebrew says, by third and strange teachings. It's, although, it's almost as though he's writing this today by looking at the papers and looking at reading the, the, the news or looking at TV or listening to the radio. Varied and strange teachings. It's amazing some of the things that these people come up with today and so many Christians are buying it. Jesus Christ was demonized on the cross, says Hagen, says Benny Hinn. He went to hell as a demon and he was born again in hell. You see? That's what these false teachers are saying. About Jesus Christ, the one who you say died in your place and took your sin. He became a demon, demonized, and was born again. And some of you are paying for their materials. Paul named false teachers. So must we. Peter says, as well as John, to the people of God, that they must be reminded that false teachers and false prophets will come. Listen to Peter. False prophet also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you. See, there's no doubt here. They say maybe it's going to happen. It will happen. We've got to beware the fact it is happening and we are in a living in the midst of it. The only thing is, are we going to be sucked in? With these sheep, these wolves in sheep clothing. False prophets also among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies. Secretly. You see, they don't come out and say, I'm teaching it. They wait until you get in. Even denying the master who bought them. Moon fits into this. I could name others as well, but this is our focus because we want to see how the word tells us to respond. Bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of truth will be maligned. The name of Christ is being blasphemed today, and not only amongst the unsaved, but by those who name his name. In their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Their greed is the motivation. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. God will judge. There's no doubt about that. The only question is, will some of you be judged along with them because you have been sucked into it and not discerning? Notice John. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Test Put them to the test. Examine them. 
When you hear, even what you hear from me, from this pulpit, test it. Go to the Word of God. Is it in keeping with the Word of God? Not what you would like for it to be. Not because it comes from a nice person who does nice things for me. Someone who would pay my way, take care of my hotel bill so I could come to their teaching. Oh, they're so nice. They're so kind. Like one of the pastors reportedly said, if he's a cult leader, I won't be a cult just like him. That's a professing Christian reportedly. By this you know the Spirit of God. See, there's a test. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming and now is already in the world. He said that then, that is true now. There's testing that we need to do. And the Bible gives us the standard for pure doctrine. Let's see what we need to do to detect false cults or false teachings. Remember, we're doing this as a stance that as a pastoral board here, we have the responsibility not only of feeding you the word, the milk and the meat of the word, but also protecting you. And this is one of the roles that we're doing today when we focus on false teachings. It's the idea of trying to protect you as we are commanded to do in the word of God. One of the first things that you should look at when you are trying to Determine whether a teacher or a sect or cult, whatever you want to call them, and one time we will go into the definitions of cults and sects, but we won't do that this morning, is the source of authority. What is the basis for their teaching? Where do they get it from? That's number one. For any person who claims to be a preacher or teacher, one sent by God, his authority must be based on the word of God. Not the word of God plus, but the word of God. When we say the word of God, we are referring to the 66 books of the Bible, what we call the Bible. 39, old, 27, new. Isn't that right? That's what we're talking about. The source of authority must come from the 66 books of the Bible. Nothing extra. We believe that the canon, that is, that body of Scripture that is regarded as authoritative, infallible, is closed. No new revelation. We've got a lot of prophets going around, giving new revelation from God. They say, I know it's not in the Word, but God spoke to me. Jesus Christ came to me. That's right, I had breakfast with him this morning. No, I'm serious. And he spoke to me. He gave me a new direction. And I know it's true. Why? Because it happened to me. I experienced it. It's a spiritual experience. Therefore, it's true. No. You can have a false spiritual experience. Motivated by false spirits. You understand what I'm saying? Just because it happened doesn't mean it's true in keeping with the Word of God. Hebrews 1.1 1, 1 says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us 
through his son. See? His son. The living word has become the written word, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And notice what he said in Jude 3, where the Holy Spirit says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you, appealing that you contend earnestly, notice now, for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. The faith, once for all handed down. The faith here is not our faith. Subjective faith, if you want. The faith here is a body of doctrine. That's the 66 books that we have. That body of doctrine has been passed down to us once and for all. It's done. It's finished. That's the idea here. That's the big source of authority. Cults, false teachers normally reject the Bible altogether. Some distort it and or add to it or twist it. Many who claim to base their teaching upon the Word of God distorts the Word of God. What about the view of the triune God? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Don't believe that there are three persons but one God, one essence? God the Father. Who is he? As we can see in a moment when it comes to unification, they worship God as the mother, father, God. That's what I pray to him. That's what they give the allegiance to. You see, that's why when people say, yes, I believe in God, you've got to ask, which God? I believe in Jesus Christ. Which Jesus Christ? If you talk to the Mormons and you talk to the Jehovah's Witness, they will talk about Christ, Jesus, but they're talking about a different Jesus. They're talking about a Jesus either who's the brother of Lucifer. That's right. That's how some of them believe it. The brother of Lucifer. The Holy Spirit, is he a person? Or is he just an influence? As we'll see in a moment, Reverend Moon believes that his wife is now the Holy Spirit. Is an energy, is a source any, uh, that emanates from God when he does things. All right? But he's not the only one who has these strange teachings about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But we have to discern. I'll come back to this. Salvation. What is the view on salvation? We believe it's secured through the death of Jesus Christ. There's nothing else that brings us salvation other than the atoning work of Jesus Christ. Because he was God, sinless, he was able to offer himself as an atonement for the world. Salvation comes only through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ because of who he was, who he is, nothing else. No good works, no baptism, nothing, no tradition, no nothing. It's only on the finished work of Jesus Christ. You see, if you add to that, that's another gospel. And what, what Paul tells us, anybody who preaches another gospel other than the one he preached should go to hell. You say, boy, that was not a loving thing to do. I'm sorry. That's what the scripture says. You know, it's amazing how many of us feel that we are more loving or caring or compassionate than God himself. We would hear these teachers, oh, I feel we should give them another chance. Oh, yeah, you know. 
God doesn't deal with things like that when it comes to these things. Substitution, he died in our place. That's important for us to understand. He died in your place. You see, it's not sufficient to say that Jesus died. That's history. Salvation comes when he says that Jesus died for me. That's salvation. All right? By grace through faith, no works. Simply believing what God has said about his son, about salvation, what he's done, and so on. Validated by the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not a spiritual resurrection, but a bodily resurrection. We are in the midst of the resurrections, by the way. Jesus is the first fruit, isn't that right? Those who believe after him. The first fruit have already started. So don't be looking for the resurrection as it's going to happen in the future. The resurrection to life has already started. It started with the resurrection of Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago. We are in the process now. We're just waiting just waiting for our own resurrection. See? It doesn't begin with us. It began with Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? We are living in the end times already. The end times are not coming. We are in the midst of them. So let's take an example very quickly. Using the Unification Church. But as I say, we can apply this to the Mormons. We can apply it to, Jehovah, to uh, uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. But we're just doing this because this is the one that is currently happening in our community. The Divine Principle, a book was written by Reverend Moore in 1956, I think it was finished, is really the basis for the authority. The Divine Principle is the major theological work on the Unification Church. But the funny thing is, he says it isn't finished yet. So they might have some other revelation come later on. But that's what they're basing it on right now. He says, the Divine Principle revealed in this book, this is quoting from the Divine Principle, is only part of the new truth. New truth. Notice that? You see, the, the Bible is the old truth. You see? The new truth. As time goes on, deeper parts of truth will be continually revealed. So wait for it. Moon is coming out with some new, new truth. All right? What does the Bible say? We looked at it before. The truth that we have in the Word of God. He's spoken to us in His Son. Once for all given to us in the Bibles that we have. We don't look for new truth. We don't go looking for new revelation. We look for the Holy Spirit to illuminate us to understand the revelation God has already given us. You see. Morning the Trinity. I'm going to just quickly. Young Un Kim, this is one of the people who teaches seminaries. Uh, he's got places all over the world. He's got all kinds of connections. He's got them here, Grand Bahama here. We have a couple of churches, unifications here, and it's amazing. Anyway, Young Un Kim, professor of systematic theology at Unification Theological Seminary, says, Unification theology starts with the fact of polarity as the main clue for understanding the essential nature of God. When you read the divine, and I'm not encouraging you to do this, all right? But years ago, I was invited to become a part of this group. They wanted me to help to recruit preachers who would go to their training center, everything paid for. Send me a whole set of tapes. Not tapes, videos. You see? Videos. Uh, to learn about them. Because I, as you know, I didn't go. <laughs> didn't try to get anybody to go. But I looked at the material and then threw it away. All right? But when they start to study God, they don't start with God, they start with man. Well, not even with man. They start 
They start with yin and yang. You know what yin and yang is? The pagan doctrine about the power. Everything is dual. Hate, love, good, bad, evil, not that kind of stuff. Polarity. That's where they start. And because everything is like that, God is like that. That's how they reason. You see? And so they said, uh, it is not primarily interested in defending the Trinitarian doctrine of the fourth century creeds. So they're saying here that the idea of the Trinity came up in the fourth century. All right? This is what they say concerning God the Father. Unification theology asserts that God has both masculine and feminine qualities, polarity, yin and yang. All right? Based on the universal fact of polarity. In the 19th century, belief in the Father, Mother, God aroused a great amount of criticism. When Anne Lee, that's not Alan Lee, that's Anne Lee. No connect, no farm, no relations. At least I don't think so. When Anne Lee, founder of the Shakers, and Mary Baker Eddy, the discoveries of Christian science, taught that God has both masculine and feminine qualities, they were often denounced as heretics. What they're doing is says, we agree with them. Now, they're not talking that he has, uh, he has characteristics that would reflect a woman or a man or a mom and a dad. That's not what he's talking. He's talking about a nature. All right? So they see God as a man, woman, and female, male. All right? That's what they call the duality or the polarity. He says, God must exist in polarity. He must possess within himself the dual characteristics of masculinity and femininity, which are perfectly expressed and fully harmonized in his nature. The doctrine of divine polarity taught by unification theology should be seen not as an eccentric novelty, but rather as a reaffirmation of a valid theological insight. This is quoting the divine principle. That's how they see the nature of God. All right? Now, what does the Bible say about God? The Trinity is biblical. It's not a doctrine that was brought into existence in the 4th century. It was there ever since God's revelation was given to us. We learned of it more as the New Testament came, but it was there. There's one God. Notice what it says in Isaiah. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, and the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And there is no God beside me. Isn't that wonderful? No God besides me. Who is like me? I love this. You know, you can almost see God, you know. Who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me. In order, from the time that I established the ancient nation, and let them declare to them the things that are coming. Only God can do that. And the events that are going to take place, only God can do that. Do not tremble and do not be afraid. Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? You are my witnesses. God is saying there's no one other than the true God who can predict accurately what will happen in the future. Oh yeah, we have prophets. But they all make mistakes. Now if you go according to the word of God, You'll stone them. <laughs> because anyone who claims to be a prophet and they make a mistake, they finish. Because they're claiming to be God. Or to be sent from God. You see, only God can do it. God the Son. This is, this is, I had a rough time with this one going through this because of the blasphemous attitude they have, not only towards the Father, but towards the Son. In like manner, they say, Jesus being one body with God, one body with God, may be called a second God. I mean, that's what he mean. they say they mean by the image of God. But he can by no means be God himself. So they openly declare that Jesus Christ is not God. 
All right? They explain that Jesus' real purpose in coming to earth was to establish God's kingdom. This would be done by marrying a perfect woman and having perfect children. However, due to a mistake, a mistake by Jesus Christ, Jesus was crucified before this could be accomplished. It's amazing. Now we have the Da Vinci Code. You know? By the way, they say that Jesus was probably the offspring of Zechariah, the father of uh, John the Baptist, not of Mary. That's what they teach. Mary became pregnant when, probably when she went to visit Elizabeth. You see, that's when Jesus came into being. All right? But Jesus made a mistake. He did something wrong, and that's why he got killed. He wasn't supposed to die. You see? By the way, they, he also calls God the Father a liar because he says things in Scripture that wasn't true and he meant it not to be true. Calls God the Father a liar. He, that is, Jesus Christ, is therefore only able to provide partial salvation. That's spiritual salvation. We still don't find that because of the idea of inherited sin and everything else. Full salvation would be left to the next Adam or the Lord of the second advent. And guess who the third Adam is? Guess who the Lord of the second advent is? Reverend Sung Moon. That's who it is. That's who he claims to be. All right? Now, the Trinity, as we said, is biblical. Not one that was brought into existence in the fourth century of the doctrine. The Son is God. Titus 2.11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Instructing us, to, the implication is that the grace appeared in Jesus Christ. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Looking for the blessed hope and the purring of the glory of who? And read that over this. Of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous of good deeds. Jesus is our great God and Savior. Jesus is God. The Moonies deny that. God the Holy Spirit, according to Kim, in unification theology, the main point is that the Holy Spirit is not a separate entity, a being different from God the Father. In other words, they deny his personality, the fact that he's a person. The Holy Spirit simply refers to God's redemptive activity. It's an energy. It's an exertion of his energy. Further, he says, the Holy Spirit appears feminine, masculine, and impersonal. The duality again. Like God himself, the Spirit is invisible and incorporeal. A bright light or a field of magnetic energy. That's what they teach concerning the Holy Spirit. See, he teaches that uh, he comes as the third Adam. Okay? He will marry the, marry the perfect woman who is the wife. We'll talk about this in a moment because she's now become the Holy Spirit. And when they unite, they produce sinless children. All right? And then that's how the earth will be populated. And anybody who has personal contact with moon, especially sexually, would be able to produce also Sinless children. If you follow his teachings, you can produce sinless children. That's the reason why they have mass weddings. I think the last time they had 300, she had, uh, how many, 100, I forgot, so many thousands of couples who were married. And that's how they are spreading the 
people of God around the world. They're all sinless. He has 13 children. All of them are sinless. Because they were produced from his wife, who is now seen as the feminine whole part of the Holy Spirit. His son, who was killed tragically in a car accident, they said that the, the parents, the holy parents, he and his wife, offered his son as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. Although this young man was killed in an accident, he says it was an offering by the holy parents for the sacrifice of the world. The Trinity is biblical, and we say again, the Holy Spirit is God and personal. Remember in Acts chapter 5, Peter said, Ananias, who has Satan, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it remained unsold, it did not remain your own. And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. If he said you lied to the Holy Spirit, then it says you lied to God. Holy Spirit is God. God the Father is one. He's God. God the Son is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is not the Son. The Son is not the Father. It's distinct, separate persons, but there's one God. According to man's destiny, this is salvation. According to Moon's theology, man's ultimate destiny is to be married and have perfect family. This cannot currently be accomplished because Jesus failed to bring about full salvation. However, a new age dawned in 1960. At that time, the marriage of the Lamb prophesied in the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation took place. The Lord of the second advent and his bride became the true parents of mankind. 1960 happens to be the year in which Reverend Moon married his wife. So that's when the marriage of the Lamb took place. This Messiah will establish the perfect family, the task that Jesus never fulfilled. Other perfect families will be formed which will produce a perfect society that will spread to the entire world. I'm not going to read this one. That, that, that talks about his sexual, the need to have sexual relations with him. But we don't need to go into those kinds of details. It's just to look at how they treat the triune God. All right? This is something else he says. There's no one who has been cleansed of original sin, even because of the death of Christ. It is for this reason that the Messiah, that's him, must appear again on earth to liquidate our sins completely and establish the kingdom of heaven on earth, fulfilling God's purpose for the creation. That's Reverend Bone. Here's the biblical response as believers. And we need to understand this not only with, as I said, Unification Church is just an example. We could apply this to many others as well. Salvation is found only in Jesus Christ, not in another Messiah or Lord of the Advent as claimed by him or any of the other ones. Here is what it says about Jesus Christ in Acts 4. Let it be known to all of you and to all peoples of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, that's Jesus, but which has become the chief cornerstone. Notice there. And there, let's read this verse together. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Amen? Let's read that again. Verse 12. This time let's read it almost to a shout. And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus. 
in which every knee will bow. Jesus did not fail in his mission. The crucifixion was not a mistake, as they taught, as they teach. He came to die as prophesied all through the Old Testament. If Jesus Christ made a mistake, then all the Old Testament is wrong. See? He did not make a mistake. Hebrews 4, 10, 10, 4 says, It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes into the world, he says, Sacrifice and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, just way back now, before the foundation of the world, then I said, Behold, I have come, and the scroll of the book that is written to me to do your will, O God. What was his will? To die as a sacrifice, so that no more bulls, no more goats could be offered. He came as the perfect sacrifice. His death was not a mistake. It was a divine plan based and motivated by the love of God and the grace of God for you and for me. The Bible gives specific commands. Now, here is how we respond to all of this. And this is the, mo- this is the burden of it here. So, I'm going to rush it through, but I'm going to take it slow. This is going to be a slow rush. Because <laughs> this is all, this is what's all about here. Your response. I want to impress upon you, you are living in the age of demons who are preaching from the pulpits. You are living in the age of deceivers of false teachings and false teachers, and God has warned us about it, and we have a responsibility to pass that warning on to you. This is serious business. The Bible gives specific commands to believers to separate from false teachers and false doctrine. Not to accommodate them, not to endorse them, not to support them, not to listen to them, but to separate from them. Christians are not to be are not to participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead should expose them. And that's what we're trying to do. That's what you are supposed to do as a child of God. The word participate in this area means to be a joint partner with someone. Whenever you fund or endorse or support someone who's teaching false, you become a partner with them in that ministry. That's why the Bible is so strong. You must separate ourselves from it. Otherwise, you are partnering with them. Timothy was to recognize that those who advocate a different doctrine are deprived of the truth. And he was to avoid those who had only a form of godliness, but denied its power. Now, the word avoid here is in the present tense. It means something we should always be doing. We should always be turning away from false doctrine. We should always be rejecting it. Never accommodating it or supporting it. All who name the name of Christ are to abstain from wickedness, according to Timothy. Paul said those who teach and promote false doctrines are like vessels of dishonor. The obedient believer who cleanses himself from these... Only they are vessels for honor sanctified for the use of the master. Cleanse means to clean thoroughly. Timothy is told to separate himself from communion with these vessels of those of dishonor spoken of in verse 20. The reference here is a separated life, especially from false teachers and false doctrines. This is a direct application 
of the obligation of the believer and especially of pastors to get away from false teachings and false teachers. Strong command. And remember, if we don't obey a command of God, it is what? If we don't obey a command of God, it is what? I know if I said, if you plant a seed, a lot of you, I say, what you'll get? You can get money back. A lot of you will shout that out. It's amazing. John, the apostle of love, had some strong words of exhortation for believers in regard to false doctrine. John's chief concern is the person and work of Christ. He said, anyone who does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Now, I didn't write this last night. This is written under the inspiration of God to the Apostle Paul years ago. Notice what he says. Anyone who does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. This way he made clear the total falsity of the view that is described in this passage about the teaching that Jesus was not God. But now, what is to be the believer's response to the false teachers today? Here's what he says, according to John. Do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. That's not too loving, is it? Oh, no, come on in. I know you're tired. Give you something to help you along the way. I know you're teaching that Jesus is not God. I know you're teaching that we got to be baptized for salvation or we got to earn. I know you're teaching that God to sell so many books and all of that. But, you know, I love you. I'm a Christian. That's not biblical when it comes to false teaching. Do not receive him into your house and do not give him a greeting. Now, in the context, this refers to a formal visit by a preacher, not a casual visit from a stranger. This is a teacher who claimed authority in his teaching, but was denying the word of God. John Jude says, Beloved, while I was making every effort to write you about your common salvation, I felt the necessity to write to you appealing that you contend. Notice that. that we contend. We defend it. We fight for it. Earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. Why do we have to contend for it? Why do we have to faithfully defend it and hold on to it? Because certain persons have crept in unnoticed, the inside people of God, the gathering. Those who were long before marked out for this condemnation, ungodly persons who turn the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. That's happening. These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feast. That's the Lord's Supper. When they feast with you without fear. That's right. They have communion and break bread with you. Eating, caring for themselves. Clouds without water. They promise blessings, but they don't get it. Carried along by winds. Autumn trees without fruit. Doubly dead. Uprooted. These are characteristics. These are the nature of false teachers. Wild waves of the sea. Casting up their own shame like foam. Wandering stars for whom the black darkness has been reserved forever. The word of God does not mince words when it comes to our response to false teachings. People who deny the deed of Christ. People who deny salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ. People who deny that salvation comes through faith alone apart from what we can do. The word of God does not mince words. The believers who want to hold on to the truth of God's word must 
reject them and separate themselves. The biblical teaching is clear, beloved. Believers who claim allegiance to the word of God must both reject and separate themselves from false teachers and their false teachings. The believer's responsibility is now to obey. Not to obey is deliberate sin and sin against a holy God. Acts 20, Paul speaking says, Now behold, I know that all of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will no longer see my face. Therefore, I testify you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Paul wanted to be sure. That's why he was warning them. He wanted to be innocent. The blood of his people. I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. And we will not do so either with the help of God. Be one God for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. That's what we are doing today. Notice now, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not spearing the flock. And from among your own selves, men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them, not after Christ. Therefore, be on the alert. That's what I'm saying to you. Be on the alert. Beware. Heed the warnings. Remembering the night and day for a period of three years, Paul says, I did not cease to admonish each one of you with tears. And the context has to do with false teaching as well. And now I commend you. Where? To another teacher? Mm -mm. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. And to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. And that's why we keep telling you, you need to know the word of God. You need to study the word of God. Behold, I have lovingly and passionately warned you. As we have been commanded by the word of God. My hands are now free from your blood. If you get caught up. With false teachings and false teachers. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Take a few moments of reflection. If God has spoken to you in any way, maybe you need, a, need to make a confession or a commitment to him right now concerning how you have disregarded his word when it comes to this area of false teaching and false teachers. Perhaps you need to stop supporting some people because you know they're teaching things contrary to the word of God although they do it in a nice way. You need to make a commitment. You need to make a confession. Please do that now. Father, we pray that you might use your word to speak to our hearts. You've told us that your word will not return to you void, but will accomplish the purpose to which you've sent it. May that purpose today truly be realized in each of our lives. And all of God's people said, Amen.